Hello, my Maverick Nation. It's DK Kellum on the mic today. And once again, we are back at it for DK's Take Care on Maverick.fm. Different time now. We're going to start. We're going to move from Thursdays from 3 to 5 and move to Wednesdays from 5 to 7. And you know how we start things off. We started off with your boy, Lynn, from Stay Alive in the Power 5. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. We had a really good uh, show last week and just looking to make it even better this week. I heard that. <laughs> I mean, so, wow. National Championship game just rolled through. And, it did. I mean, there wasn't a roll tide. It was a tide got rolled. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we both thought about... You know, we both thought about Clemson. We gave Alabama every reason to win. And I think we found out that Clemson was, if not better, just as athletic and talented as the team that Alabama put out there on the field. Oh, yeah. I mean, just give me your analysis of the game. Yeah, um, just it was a surprise. I mean, I knew Clemson would be in the game. I didn't – I couldn't pull the trigger on them winning it, but I knew it would be close. I did not know that they will win by four touchdowns over Alabama, over a Nick Saban-led defense that didn't create no turnovers, man, no sacks. Like, what? I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, 44-16, Clemson's defense held Alabama scoreless in the second half and held them to a season-low 16 points. Tua threw two interceptions, I mean, including his first pick six of the season. I mean, it was just... It was crazy. Clemson came to play. They really came to play. Scored 31 points on Alabama's defense in the first half. Both teams, they have equal total offensive yards. You know, Clemson had 482, Alabama had 443. But the difference of the game was those turnovers. Clemson had none, Alabama had two. And you can just see from the team chemistry on the field and whenever, because it was kind of back and forth in the first half, but whenever each team was hit with adversity, you can tell Clemson had more leadership with their veteran Caesar, their, their veteran seniors on their team. Clever Lawrence, I mean, I'm Trevor Lawrence, the true freshman quarterback at Clemson, the first true freshman to lead his team to a national title since Jameer Holiday did it for Oklahoma back in 1985. He threw for 347 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Finished the season with, what, 3,280 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just four interceptions? Whew. I mean, he has three years of eligibility left. <laughs> That's insane right I'm there. telling you, if he would come out this year, he'd be an NFL first-rounder, you know. Um, the running back, oh, my goodness. Etienne. Travis Etienne. Oh, he's a true sophomore. Had three total touchdowns. This dude is a game-breaker. Just so dangerous in space. Got speed, breakaway speed. He finished the season with, what, 1,658 rush yards to go along with 12, 24 rushing scores. Man, I mean, these, these kids we're going to see for the next, like, two years, you know, they, they got to come back. That's why both teams are still going to be right back in the mix next year. Um, Alabama's wide receiver, you know, the true sophomore Jerry Judy, he won the Bolitnikoff as the re best receiver in the land. But in the game, he had five catches, 139 yards and a touchdown. I mean, finished the season with 68 receptions. 1,315 yards, 14 touchdowns. This dude is the real deal. The, like one of the best deep threats in all of college football. He can stretch and he's secondary, I'm telling you. Alabama, I thought they ran the ball well, but they got out of their game plan when they got down by two scores and Tua was forced to like do too much on third downs and a tie couldn't convert on those third downs. And for the first time all season, I mean, I've seen a little bit in the Georgia game, but the first time all season, I seen Tua look uncomfortable in the pocket, man, you know, and this time Hurts couldn't come back and save the day, you know. Um, 
like I said, I'm just surprised Saban did get wired on the sidelines, you know. Usually on the heat, <laughs> he gets pretty animated when, like, the team ain't playing well. But he's a little bit more calm than, you know, usual. I was like, okay. Um, but like I said, a lot of people, like, I listened to the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. Oh, to hear all those Alabama people just grumbling, you know, about the game. A lot of them trashing the defensive coordinators. Tosh Lapoy and Pete Golding, you know, saying they didn't do a good job. It, the backlash was crazy. Oh, the humility. <laughs> uh, I mean, a couple of takes that I'll take from that game. One of my takes is um, Alabama didn't score in the second half. Mm -mm. Not one point. And talk about an all-time blunder, that fake field goal. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead and just give me what your thoughts was on that fake field goal. Why did Nick Saban even call that? And to call that type of fake, running into the teeth of Clemson's defensive line, like, how did he think that was going to even get converted, you know? Yeah, he got he, – Nick Saban caught a lot of backlash for that, and he admitted that it was a mistake, but it was just an act out of desperation. I mean, <laughs> Alabama never got smacked in the mouth like that, you know? And they, quite frankly, didn't know how to handle it, you know? Uh, it'd be different if, like, they played the season, they had, like, a comeback game, you know? But they was always up in their games by, mm -hmm. like, at least two, three scores. Except so they for never the Georgia game. Yes, that's the only time they were threatened, you know? But other than that, like – they always been up, so they never really been in that situation. And like I said, I don't think they knew how to respond. Obviously, it showed. So. They were shook. I've never seen they were shook like yes, that. Yes. They were four for 13 on third downs. Uh, I mean, they didn't, like I said, they didn't score in the uh, second half. I mean, this team <laughs> has six penalties for 60 yards, while Clemson had one penalty all game and no turnovers. turnovers. Even Alabama led in time of possession right. over – Clemson, but you couldn't tell. I've never seen a Nick Saban team and an Alabama team just crush like this. And I've, as I've been listening to a lot of the, uh, you know, other, uh, a lot of the other analysts, one of the key things that stuck with me is that the Tide, I mean, excuse me, the Crimson Tide have had 14 different assistant coaches mm -hmm. since they first met up yep. four years ago. Clemson's only had two, and it wasn't even like a coordinator. It was more of like the back end guys, the recruiting guys, and stuff like that. Right. And also, one of the big things that stuck with me is that uh, Joe Klatt said that Alabama is a factory, but Clemson is a family. And you yes. heard that. It's more stuck together. Yes. yes yeah. And, and you heard them, the players at the end of the game, talk about how, hey, y'all, y'all want to come play football and be with the family and win. You guys come to Clemson. What a way to shout out your... No, your, hey, your, what they that's did... That's so illegal right there, right, isn't no, it? No, what they did, they did the Suge Knight death throw first. <laughs> they told myself, all y'all want, all the coaches dancing all in the videos, <laughs> all on the sidelines. Come to Clemson, you know, like to the recruits. I just thought that was priceless, doing a little... It really Knight was, and that's there. like free recruiting right there. Right, I mean, the, the players did it, you know, and who wouldn't want to go... If I had a son, I would love for him to go play for Dabo. Dabo is just... A great guy. He's yes. like one of my favorite coaches in the game. He's turned How could around. you not love the guy? Man? Exactly. He's a good Christian man. You got to love that. And he just turned around the whole program at Clemson. I mean, we're talking about Clemson, South Carolina, not even on the map. You used to like the Ohio State's, Florida's, mm -hmm. Michigan, USC's. Clemson is not known for being a powerhouse in football. Although, the, hey, they do. Got like, they had a national championship back in like 1980, I believe. It was, I think it was in the – it might have been the 70s. It was in the 70s no, or the 80s. it was 1980, it was, it was 1980? Yeah, you, you the college football, man. Yeah, Let me shut like up. 80, I'm pretty 80, sure you know. one of them. But they had one national championship. But, but I mean, far that's as, a long time ago. And right. since then, I mean, really, they, they've had their moments. We know with Taj Boyd, with right. Woody Danzler. You know, they've had their moments in the spotlight, but not at the peak. 
No. Where they are right now. They've been the they, three of the last four national championships. Right. They are people are criticizing saying they're not a dynasty. Are you serious? This fifty five dynasty wins in four years. This two is a championships. Di- I mean, Dabo Sweeney's whole tenure since he's been there, they each year like they they seem like they conquer new heights, you mm-hmm. know. Um but up until recently it's just they are on a whole nother level. Dabo recruits like, I mean, he recruits like a it's, monster. It is insane. And he took they, the number one uh, receiver right out of Alabama's backyard. He took the number one offensive lineman right out of Georgia's backyard. Like, he's going to other people's place, taking their best players and bringing them out to Clemson. And look what they're doing now. When he came, when he very first became the coach in the ACC, I mean, Florida State, it was still Florida State's ACC. You know, Florida State was still the 800-pound gorilla. Now Clemson is that 800-pound gorilla. I mean, now I can see why Jimbo Fisher got up out the ACC and went to Texas A&M because Clemson and took over. And then just the ACC is pretty much Clemson and everybody else. You know, that's I how mean, it really is. is. I mean, there's it's really all the other really teams bad. are like pretty like average. A lot of parity in the league, but it's pretty much Clemson and everybody else. And what Clemson has, like they can go up against anybody at any given time. You know, and there's no doubt in my mind. Alabama had more talent, you know. Um, I think so too, because when you when the NFL draft comes, you're gonna hear a lot. Oh more yeah, Alabama. Oh, you're gonna hear names. You're gonna, you're gonna hear for that whole anything, game just yeah. on both sides of the ball. It's gonna be plenty of players going to the draft, getting drafted. You know, it just speaks volumes for what these two programs are now in today's game of college football. And critics were saying like, well, it's unfair and everyone's fatigued from Alabama Clemson for the like past four years. But Dabo and Saban said they are not going to apologize for their teams being good. I you wouldn't know, like either. other teams around them need to just they step their step their game up. I mean, just like Clemson you know? did, you got to step your game up, bring in the top end talent, do your job, build a recruiting trail right. and take these really great athletes from different states that have a bigger and well-renowned team than you. Like, that's all Dab- Dabu Sweeney and his coaching staff making their team what they are. Right. It's, it's with Saban. Simple with Saban. Like, you know, he established, like, a team where they're going to run the ball on you. You're not going to run the ball on them. Yeah, he might let those five-star receivers and all that get out, let, you know, the other schools get it. But he's not going to let you get those nose tackles, those five-star, four-star, big uglies, you know, just that defensive line. Saban's going to get them. That's that's what he built. And it shows you could never have enough of that. You have to be prepared. You have to have depth when it comes down to games in the trenches. When when it's like mirror programs going against each other, talent on talent, you have to be loaded on those lines. And it's interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, no, saying, no, I can't it, express that enough. You it's know? interesting how you talk about depth because Clemson lost three defensive linemen and still dominated right. the trenches. And what's so interesting is they're going to lose four seniors on the offensive line and bring in all new blood, and they're still going to be incredible. Yes. Like, next man up. Like, right. they've changed. So, with that being said, let's caveat to the next question real quick. Is, is Clemson the new team to beat? Until someone beats them, I say yes right now. Yes, they have the bragging rights. They have the trophy. You know, um, they got probably the hottest quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence kind of took that red carpet from under Tua, you know. He kind of did. Yeah, now all the talk is about, you know, Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be the big man on campus nationwide for the next, you know, until season starts again. But, like, you know, I think that – Clemson's going to come into the season ranked number one. You know, um, of they lose they lose a lot on that D line. Like like you said though, the D line dominated even without like Dexter Lawrence. Who they didn't even need him. Nope. You know, but um, 
those guys on the D-line, that front seven, it's going to be a lot that goes to the draft on that front seven. But Brent Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator, is one of the best assistants in the nation. It's and he showed leaving. that. And he's not leaving. And he's leaving. not leaving, you know. He um, could go be a coach he, almost anywhere. He put, I mean, but he, he, he can sit there and – you know, wait for a good, good job to open up. If not, like, he's loyal to, you know, Clemson and Dabo. And people are trying to say, oh, well, Dabo, uh, he might go replace Nick Saban when Nick Saban try to retire at he Alabama. Ain't he ain't leaving he ain't, what He he would be a fool to leave that program, Exa- you know, after what he, what he built. Because before Dabo came to Clemson, or should I say before he became Clemson's head coach, because Tommy Bowden, Bobby Bowden's son, mm-hmm. was running a program at Clemson, could never get over the hump. Huh. They always lost games. They they shouldn't. When they, even when they were favored to win the ACC, they like finished like third or fourth. The team was not. Tommy Bowden was not going to get them there. So they fired him like you know middle of the season. Then Dabo came in. I knew Dabo was going to take put his heart and soul into that program. When he came down the hill onto Howard's Rock and gave that rock a kiss before running onto the field, I was like, this dude is going to take this program places. I knew that. Now, what's so interesting, and I'm glad this happened the way it did because Lawrence is a freshman, okay? Right. So Clemson basically has his likeness and his rights for at least the next two years. Mm-hmm. They're going to make millions of dollars off of his likeness. Oh, that yeah. Number, he's number 16, right? Uh, I, I think he's number 16. Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, but the what quarterback. I'm saying, oh, yeah, jersey sales is about to go up. Oh, yes. He's about to do for Clemson what Johnny Manziel did, did for, for Texas, Texas A&M. A&M. You know, like, they revenue share just went up through the roof. You know, ticket sales, sold-out stadiums. I mean, with him on campus and ETN there, man, they it's star power right there. They're so young, man. It's, like, so unfair, it seems like. Like, man, these little diaper dandies is, like, the real deal. And they're not letting these kids – they don't come to these universities to sit. They come to play. They get thrown to the wolves right away. It's like they're going to contribute right away. Immediate playing time, that's a good pitch with these coaches when they come into these kids' living rooms and talk to the parents and, like, I want your son to come play here. You know, I can provide this. He will be doing this. This is what player we're going to make him into. He's going to become a grown man, a nice person, human being, you know, just law-abiding citizen, all that, you know. Hey, that's a good pitch. Like, you know what? Hey, son. <laughs> get the papers out. Sign it right there. No. Yes, Lynn. <laughs> Come be a recruiter from my college right now. All the passion right there. I definitely enjoyed that. Like, if you could have seen this man's face, he was about that life. <laughs> he was talking about what Clemson is doing to get these young men into this uh, program. So moving on to the next question. Your top five going into 2019. All right. Yes. I mean, start off, it's got to be Clemson number one. And I mean, like, like we just discussed. You know, Trevor Lawrence returning, ETN returning, you know, Dabo's back. The staff is kept intact, you know. Yeah, they're losing a lot to the NFL, but at a place like Clemson right now, they don't need to rebuild. They just reload, you know. So I expect this team to be back in the mix, you know, in 2019, no doubt about it. You know, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Heisman candidate. So is Travis Etienne. He's going to be a Heisman candidate. You know, legitimate dudes, I mean – they're going to have another big season. You know, they're going to have a bullseye on their jerseys, you know, the size of the Grand Canyon. But, hey, who, Clemson already been a target. You know, people been coming for them. They're going to get every team's A game, get their best when they play their opponents. Number two, Alabama. Like, Tua's back. Jerry Judy's back. You know, they always have beastie running backs. This defense is going to be more mature. And what's good for – this probably was a good – thing for Alabama it might sound bad at the moment but this is good for them because now they know what they know what failure tastes like you know they got that bad taste in their mouths and don't think Nick Saban won't use this to motivate 
and get momentum in his players to go out there and just dominate again. Oh, Alabama's going to play with a chip on its shoulders, you know, this fall, I, I guarantee you. But, like, they're going to carry it right into recruiting. They're going to be better again. I mean, they're going to have, like, a top class again. So, ain't nothing going to change. As long as they've been there, they, they're going to be a monster. They'll be legitimate number two. Number three, I got Georgia. And Jake Fromm's going to be back quarterback. You know, they got their running backs back. The defense will be better. You know, Kirby Smarts, he's bringing in, like, top recruiting classes. So, you know, if it's not Clemson or Alabama, Georgia is, like, that team I think that can compete on that level with them, you know. Other teams might falter, get blowed out, you know, but I think Georgia can compete and play with teams like Clemson and Alabama because Kirby Smart has recruited on that level, got those caliber of players, and, yeah, they the SEC loads them up and get them battle-tested. Um, number four, I have Ohio State, and I know that Urban Meyer left and Ryan Day's taken over. They're going through a coaching transition, but Ryan Day's been there for a few years, and, He's been an offensive coordinator. You know, he knows what it takes. Um, they got the quarterback, you know, Justin Fields, who transferred the nation's number one recruit a year ago. He transferred there. He's trying to get eligible to play immediately. He's trying to do uh, what um, the kid from Ole Miss, Shea Patterson, what he did for Michigan and was able to play right away. That's what Ohio State's trying to do with Justin Fields right now. You know, and Fields, he had his choice between, you know, going to Oklahoma or going to Ohio State, and I guess Oklahoma – wasn't the best place for him. He chose Ohio State. Ryan Day is familiar with the kid because he recruited him throughout his college, I mean, through his high school. And now, like, he's got him there. And this kid's dangerous. And Ohio State, the running back, um, J.K. Dobbins, he'll be back. The defense will be more experienced. They were young this year. They'll be way more experienced. I expect them to be better. They should be, you know, the number one team in the Big Ten. And until someone dethrones them, they're going to stay that way. And number five, I got your boys, the Texas Hook'em Longhorns. <laughs> you know, Sam Ellinger, you know, I mean, I watched this quarterback mature into a all-Big 12 caliber signal caller. You know, he's definitely – I mean, he was born a Longhorn. You see you seen his baby pictures, man? He's throwing up the Hook'em Horns. With the, you know, with the Chris Sim jersey From on. Austin, <laughs> Texas, Lake. you know. I mean, he's Quick like, thing real quick before you finish that. This will be brought up Austin Westlake. To anybody from Texas, I know my boy Kenny listening. That was the first game we played at our freshman year was uh, at Austin Westlake, uh, Belton Tigers, just representing. And that was uh, the last year that Kareem Campbell, uh, uh -huh. Earl Campbell's son who played receiver, ended up playing for the Vikings. And uh, Drew Brees, it was their last year there at Austin Westlake before they went off and Drew Brees went to Purdue. And wow. everything like that. So, yeah, we got some ties out there. Texas boys, go ahead and finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just think that, you know, Ellinger has blossomed into this great player, and he's putting his team on his back and want to carry him to the finish line. He has passion. You know, what you want to see in your leader, what you want to see in your starting quarterback, you know, someone that everybody can flock to, you know. just And that's what he is. I think he's – just going to be even better in 2019. Tom Herman's going to be in his third season. I expect, like, the Longhorns to be clicking on all cylinders. He got his players there, you know, his recruits, the guys he brought in. I mean, maybe there's probably, like, a few Charlie Strong guys left, but these are all, like, Herman's players. And, you know, he's got he got the culture going, the direction he wants, everything he wants to establish at Texas. You know, he has that grounded in and – I think they're going to take off. They'll be the number five team. They should be 
I mean, I know Oklahoma might be the favorites, you know, to win the Big 12 for 2019, but Texas definitely should be up there. What's crazy about the Big 12 is that it got so many new coaches. Texas Tech has a new coach. Kansas State has a new coach. West Virginia has a new coach. You know, it's just Kansas, Les Miles is back coaching. You know, I don't know what to really expect from the Big 12. It should be entertaining, but a lot of coaches, you know, young coaches, man, under 40, like, you know, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, you know, just a lot of just young coaches. So this is the game has changed, though. It's not like your your granddaddy's old school wishbone, smash mouth. Now it's like spread wide open, you know, just different offensive schemes, just all types of things in today's game, you know, which made it more entertaining. But at the same time, in a league like the Big 12, you know, it just seemed like Ben don't break defenses and that they defense is not much of a priority. It's just high flying offensive firepower and that's just but I think with these new coaches coming into the Big 12 the league is going to start changing a little bit I think they're probably going to start putting more emphasis on defense because Texas TCU and Iowa State they play defense in the Big 12 I mean all the other teams might you know allow a lot of points but they actually seem like they put a little bit of emphasis on defense in that league so I just think Texas is going to be you know they should be legit I mean my top five is kind of like yours I mean of course number one is going to be Clemson and, of course, number two is going to be Alabama. Uh, for number three, for me, I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think that Purdue game that they lost, you know, with the kid that had the cancer, I mean, I, it was more than a football yes, game. Yeah, story, yeah. It, it was just more than a football game. That's the only game they lost this year. Tyler Trent. Yep, Tyler Trent, who ended up passing away. We were talking about that in class, actually, today with my teacher, Jodine. Big shout-out to Jodine Brownlee. Makes this, it's because of her that all this goes down. So, uh, my number four team is going to be Georgia. Georgia. And then, of course, my number five team, I got to represent for the for the home state. I'm going with Texas. Ah, All right. Just like mine. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it seems like I think I've had you on the show for about five or six weeks. And it just seems like since you've been on my show, you just start to become a traveling man now. I know. So, I mean, go ahead and talk about, uh, you know, my guy Lynn had got his credentials to go and you know, participate in the uh, in the uh, Senior Bowl. Right. The Reese's Senior Bowl, which will be Ooh. held in Mobile, Mobile Alabama, Alabama, Saturday, January 26th. Oh, that's so dope. Yeah, it's got credentials. So, um, just get to talk. Like, you were talking about, you know putting like together like draft prospects things like that and we're gonna you get know, i thought like you know you could accompany me along there i mean you really could find out about it's gonna be all these senior players that want to make a last impression on these scouts you know to see them in action it's probably not like the players that's sitting out the bowl games the one that's expected to go yeah, like go to top, top picks but the it's, guys it's, are it's, get it's the guys that's gonna get drafted that's really trying to make a name for, for themselves, themselves before even go to the drafting or before they do their pro days, they're going to try to do it in this senior bowl. If you remember a couple of years ago, Amir Abdullah played in the senior bowl and got, and got MVP of the senior bowl. Don't think that didn't help out his draft style. Just take a Davenport, a defensive end from uh, UTSA who got drafted in the first round. The Saints traded up uh-huh. in the first round to pick him up after his display in a senior bowl. So, I mean, these games are important, and I probably will go with you next year unless somebody wants to go fund me for uh, my, uh, my, my <laughs> tuition this semester because it was a struggle trying to pay the tuition, so I can't go. And this is like two days after my birthday too. Oh, so yeah. I'm already have plans to go to Kansas City the weekend before. But, I mean, go ahead and talk about some of the best prospects that you feel there are in the uh, senior bowl. They actually haven't announced, announced the, the rosters yet? No, they haven't, don't announce the rosters or who's coaching yet until January 16th. So I don't even know. Oh, so who's that'll be, be uh, our show next week then. Let me look and see what date that is. Give me one second. 
So yeah, next Wednesday is when they announce the people that's going to be in Senior Bowl. So you'll be able to give us a little, oh, yeah. you know, background on who's going to be there, what to look for, whose stock is rising and falling, you right. know, going into it. We'll come up with a nice little script to give you guys some detail on the Senior Bowl. Uh, any last couple things before uh, we let you go? Uh, not just everything was just this whole postseason been so fun, you know, just covering these bowl games, going to be covering my third bowl game, just getting all the exposure and just getting – you know, stay alive and power five out there. It's, it's nationally known. Actually, it's probably internationally known. I look on the side, I got fans over in India, fans in Australia, Uh-oh. people in Germany, you Uh-oh. know, like Africa. Like, I'm like, okay, you, you know, start becoming, they rock it with you me. You know? worldwide. Just, yeah, like not, not just nationally, internationally known, you know, but it's, it's all just blessings, you know. I'm appreciative of it all. I'm going to keep my hard work going. I'm put my blood, sweat, and tears into this, you know, and I'm going to keep it pushing. You know, everybody that rocked with me from the beginning, thank you. I'm just going to keep giving you the heat, you know, original content, everything. Um, just working hard on this, you know, just – Every opportunity I get, I just feel blessed. You know, I just can't wait to talk to these players. You know, um, you know, got the pictures with the coaches. Put that on the site, man. I'm <laughs> subscribers went through the roof. You know, just like oh yeah. That. You know, because I mean, that's pictures, all it takes. You talk with, I mean, you take a picture with the coaches. You cover in the games. You're at the games. You know, like you're, you're official yes, tissue. You know, <laughs> so they like okay, <laughs> this guy is this is that guy. You know, so that's what I want to be. I mean, I want the website. My dream for it was to be like the news source for, you know, college football, major college football, you know, not just FBS, but the Power Five conferences and just original content and just a place where, you know, I post the stories and the fans could be heard. You know, they can get voice their opinions. You know, I have no problems with it. I mean, it was like a couple uh, articles where I seen I posted actually was surprising with some Notre Dame fans, man, when I was talking about their loss. Man, these fans had like profanity and everything. I'm like, dude, this is like a, a kid-friendly website. But the, the you know, thing like, is, I can't control who comes and comment on that. But please, don't please don't kill the messenger, and please keep it profanity-free. You know, um, that's I mean, that's, just, a, that's a part of becoming who you are. See, before you didn't have those issues, but once you start getting out there and people starting to see you're making a name for yourself, and you're actually at these venues instead of just watching these venues. Right. You know, you got hands-on experience with it. So now you're starting to get the trolls over now and the <laughs> trolls come. If no one's trolling you, you ain't doing your job, bro. Right. So well with that oh uh, one last thing, I just want to just be like, dude, I'm so proud of you, man. I've just seen you grow. It's only been five, six weeks. Just imagine where you're gonna be at next year. Right. You you're gonna have everything lined up and set up and like the stories you're gonna be able to tell and share with everybody is just going to be so much more in-depth because you're going to actually be in these atmospheres and everything, dude. So I'm so proud of you, man. Keep on, you know, fighting and keep on pushing our content for us, man. All right. Thank you. I just want to give, you know, a shout-out to my daughters at home that might be listening, you know, my girlfriend, Tammy. Thank you. I would be nothing without y'all. Thank you for the support. Y'all are my drive, and I'm just going to keep it going. Thank you. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that being said, we're going to take our first commercial break when I come back. It's going to be The Advocate. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys playoff win. Go Cowboys. Hopefully we can pull off another one this week. Mm. And once again, thank you very much, Lynn. Stay alive in the Power Five. Y'all mess with my guy. He's doing big things, man. And, and just keep on giving him the support that you guys give me. Appreciate you as always, brother. Thank you, man. All right. We'll be back. We're going to take our first quick commercial break here on MavRadio.fm. <laughs> 